Um, I have been looking forward to the series that we're starting right now for a while, and we're calling it Pop Solutions. And so what we mean by that is, uh, it just stands for Popular Solutions, but um, I've been wrestling with this little concept uh, in my head for a while now that we have things that sound a lot like the gospel, that are really popular in today's society, that might actually miss some really important core elements of what the true gospel actually is. And so uh, we called it common gospel substitutions, and they're kind of sneaky. They sneak in and they sound a lot like the gospel, but it's like, are they? And uh, so what we want to do over the next five weeks is kind of go through uh, a few of our favorites, some of these sneaky things, and really get to the core of what... Um, Jesus really stands for in these areas. And so today, it's kind of an interesting one to start with. Um, We're going to talk about peace versus shalom. I have shalom in quotes because it's the Hebrew word for peace. And so now, here's the thing is, it kind of sounds weird to say uh, a pop solution that isn't necessarily the gospel is peace. I'm like, okay, so I need to clarify what I'm saying. Um, What we're going to do today is we're going to talk about what peace means like in Scripture. And I don't know about you, but uh, peace doesn't necessarily mean what I think Scripture's talking about. And so we're going to be using peace today in a way of, uh, in kind of the way of maybe how we use it in everyday life, and how I've noticed that it might not actually mean what I think it means. You guys ever seen Princess Bride? You know what I'm talking about? Inconceivable? I don't think it means what I think it means. Oh, whatever. You know what I'm talking about. Anyways, you've seen the movie. But um, I feel like we use the word peace a lot. And I'm not sure that we know exactly what it means. So, uh, when you think of the word peace, what do you think of? As soon as you think about that word, what, is it, what kind of images does it bring to mind? And for me, uh, if I'm honest, where, when, the way that I mostly use that word is, well, I guess is the Webster's you know, dictionary definition of it. It's the absence of conflict. It's where there is no conflict, uh, chaos is put at bay, and um, there's no stress. For sure there's no stress. And it's just kind of this, I don't know what, we always say peace and quiet, right? Like peace, quiet. <laughs> and it's kind of it conjures this image of tranquility and everything's totally fine and okay and probably not a very loud volume. And maybe you're by yourself or at least with people you really, really like and agree with you. And it's just this very, um, dare I say, circumstantial word. Like, oh, I'm at peace. It kind of conjures, it's a feeling, but it's very circumstantial. This is the way that I use it. Maybe you're resonating with me. So when we say the word peace, what do we really mean? Um, Here's kind of what, as I've been thinking that through, what's interesting about that is defining peace this way, in kind of a negative way, I'm sorry. I really love the word peace, okay, but we're kind of trying to round out the definition today, Um, is as I go down that road of peace being the absence of conflict, it starts to sound a lot like escape <laughs> and uh, removal and distance. And if peace is totally circumstantial and it means that it's, mm, you're removing all the stress and all the anxiety from your life, uh, I'm getting kind of a little worried that probably one of the best ways to go about doing that is isolation and, uh, I don't know, people and relationships tend to really mess up my peace a lot of the time. So that doesn't it's starting to sound a little bit less and less like maybe what Scripture's talking about when it says the word peace. So uh, 
besides the fact that it sounds a lot like escape to me in my head as I think more and more about it, it also is a very elusive bullseye. Like, if peace is circumstantial and it's the removal of all stress, like, good luck with that, right? Like, how do you remove all stress from your life? And if you did, that, like, is a whole, I, I want to ask you more questions about how you did that and how there's nothing going on in your life that could ever be stressful. It probably means that there's, I don't know, you're not standing for much or you're not trying anything. <laughs> like, it'd be a great way to have no stress. Don't have a job and don't have any friends and don't fight for anything. I don't know. It kind of just feels like a different kind of problem. So the pursuit of removing all stress from our life feels a little bit silly and uh, feels impossible. So what do we mean then when we say peace? Now, is it wrong to have tranquil moments? Is it wrong to have peace and quiet every now and again? Of course not. Is it okay to go away to the cabin in the woods and receive from the... Of course. I mean, that's a peaceful moment. But in the way that Scripture's using it, is that all that it is? I don't think it's all that it is. So we'll talk about the word shalom today. And uh, really get to, it's a beautiful word. Um, uh, a friend of mine told me yesterday as I was kind of just kibitzing with him about today's sermon, he said that when he was in Bible school, his, uh, his professor of like, you know, the first, you know, uh, Old Testament class he took, the professor gets up there and says, I can sum up the Bible in one word. It's called shalom. Now we're going to spend the next four years trying to explain that. <laughs> I thought that was very interesting. It's a very, very rich word, and we'll get to it in a bit. So first, I think I need to be very, very clear, is, um, you know, it's, it feels weird to talk about how peace is antithetical to the gospel, like how peace is somehow not the gospel. Uh, it for sure is, but we need to get to the bottom of it, about what is, what is, what is Scripture saying when it, when it says that. So, defining peace as the absence of conflict or the attempt to remove anxiety, that narrow definition of peace that I think we use it as a lot, uh, here's why that narrow definition of the word peace is troublesome to me. It's for two main reasons. The first one is I think that it, uh, it has the tendency to really take us away from relationships. That's what it worries me. It worries me that if peace is the absence of conflict, I highly recommend removing people from your life. They're the ones who tend to cause the most conflict, if you haven't noticed. And so the easiest way to get peace is to disengage, which doesn't feel, which doesn't feel right at least as an ultimate solution. I don't want to disengage. Uh, here's, another, here's another reason why, uh, you know, taking away from relationships, it feels wrong to define peace this way, is that what I think we end up doing is trying to do this crazy balancing act of loving other people, which is chaotic and messy and uncomfortable and not peaceful, and then we have to, like, retreat <laughs> away over here and then be at peace. It's like, ah, oh, it's quiet again, <laughs> and I've created this little bubble for myself that it's just the way I like it, and it's my favorite tea and my favorite book and blah, blah, blah. And so, obviously, nothing wrong with this moment, inherently. Obviously, nothing wrong with loving other people, inherently, of course. Here's my, here's my issue, is that the ping pong between the two doesn't feel like freedom to me. It feels, <laughs> uh, ironically, very unpeaceful. And it's this balancing act of, okay, uh, I'm going to muster up something, and I'm going to, I don't know, plunge my life into the chaos of loving somebody else. And then that's going to be super exhausting, and I'm going to burn out for sure. And, uh, and so then I need to go find peace elsewhere. And I'm like, oh, that doesn't sound... I think, I think peace, the way that Scripture's defining it, can for sure transcend that moment. Um, so we need to unpack that. Uh, another tricky part for me, is that God asks me 
Like, I really mean this. God asks me to engage in a lot of seemingly unpeaceful, as we're defining it this morning, situations. <laughs> like, he asks us to be like, oh, yeah, you're gonna, I need you to go do this, and it's not going to be very peaceful. <laughs> it's not going to be very calm. It's not going to be very tranquil. <laughs> it's going to be the opposite. <laughs> um, so that's testing, because he wants us to engage in relationship. We're supposed to be the church. In fact, we're the hands and feet of Jesus in this world, and so if we're gonna, we need to live our lives the way that he lived it by his power, and so that's going to, man. Okay, so for sure, peace can't be the removal of relationships. Um, my main example for this, I have lots, but just to put it in a, a frame of reference for you, the way that I've learned this idea that wrestling through God asking me to do things that are just plunging headlong into chaos and disorder. And my best example, um, well, I don't know if it's my best, but it's the one I'm going to talk about this morning, is I, I'm really passionate about the big C church, like the church, especially in this city, working together. I think we could do a whole lot more together. It's a huge passion of mine. Um, I love the church. I love this church. I love the church. I think we're one church of which Jesus is the cornerstone. Like, we're all the same. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed, but church history hasn't been the most peaceful thing. And relationships amongst small C churches like ours isn't always very synergistic or even friendly. Like, we lack awareness. People are angry with each other. There are splits. There's denominations that stand for things that I don't know exactly what, but somebody got hurt back in the day. And it was just, I don't know, it's, it's quite a chaotic, the church is in quite a chaotic state. Um, my world has mostly been youth pastors thus far, and it's just really difficult to give a vision for plunging into the chaos of trying to redeem that for the sake of what God could accomplish, and also for the sake of the fact that it's like, man, I think one of our biggest witnesses to this world is a unified church that's working together to love, I don't know, I don't know if we display that very well currently. Um, so that's interesting to me. And I feel like God's asked me really strongly in my life personally to say, um, I want you to be part and to be deeply integrated into that chaos, whatever that costs. Uh, and I don't think he's asking me not to be peaceful. But it certainly doesn't seem that way, first glance. Another problem with our narrow definition of peace being problematic, another problem, is that what's the most sad about the, that ping pong between loving other people and then having me time, what's most difficult about that is not necessarily that each one of those actions is, 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 is wrong, it's that we're in control of the when and the why. And I wind up in charge of whether I'm peaceful or not. I wind up in charge of whether I'm whole and feel good and have value and purpose and significance. Like, I wind up in charge because it's a balancing act. And I never know which one is which. And over here, I feel a little burned out. And over here, I feel a little guilty. And uh, the problem is, is I'm totally in control. Which, well, a great line from Transformations, the course that we hope everybody goes through in our church at some point is the quality of your life is determined by the quality of its leadership. It's very, very important. That's why we preach Jesus, because we think he's the best leader. Yeah. He's the best leader of our lives in every sense of the word. 
And so, uh, super funny thing, the, the logical conclusion, I'll speak personally, I feel anxious when I'm in charge. And that actually makes tons of sense. If I'm my own God, and I am the source and uh, sustaining power, like if I'm the source of my peace and my ability to manage my life between two things that I know they're good, that are good, um, I'm in charge and I feel super anxious. And so ironically, <laughs> ironically, the result of us being in control of trying to achieve a state of peace is a lot of anxiety. <laughs> Have you noticed this? It's like, man, my life feels chaotic. I should probably do something about that. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say no to some stuff or I'm going to say yes to some stuff. I don't know what it is, but we're processing all of our decision-making criteria on achieving the kind of peace that we know is present in Scripture, like that, like, that, trans- that transcends understanding and that is, seems really great. And our pursuit of that is, is quite good. It's like, man, I want that. And so we say, all right, what am I going to have to do to make that happen? And therein lies, I think, the main thing that we want to talk about today is I'm not sure that that's your job. Right. Somehow that's not your job. Somehow that's accomplished for you. I think the word shalom has a lot to do with that. So we're going to get there in a second. So the logical conclusion of peace in your life being entirely up to you is ironically anxiety. (laughs) So what are we going to do? Jesus seems to be pretty committed to this idea that we have rest and peace and joy for sure. Uh, Let's read Matthew uh, 11. We'll have a clicker today. Bang. Um, Matthew 11, 28 to 30 says this. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So that sounds like Jesus is pretty committed to us being at rest and at peace. Like even the feeling of it, like, wow, I'm resting somehow in you. There's a lot of eyes and me's. Learn from me. I am gentle, my yoke. Come to me, all you who are weary. So already we're starting to see a theme of somehow the solution to this is somehow about closeness. It's somehow about not, he's not talking about circumstances at all. It's not, I'll give you rest because you figured something out and I'm gonna give you rest because it's gonna fix all your problems. It's, It's like, no, 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 come to me. Okay, so keep that in your mind. So I think what Jesus is talking about here is this idea of shalom. And let's unpack this concept of shalom for a second. Uh, I'll give you some examples of what the word means. It's the Hebrew word for peace. And just so that we fully are clear, it's, it's such a rich word. We don't really have a good translation for it, apparently. This is why we have peace in our Bible, which in the dictionary means absence of conflict, which is not wrong. It's just super narrow in comparison. So we actually need the word shalom uh, this morning. So here's a couple examples of what it, of what it means, some, some synonyms for us in the English language that don't quite sum it up, but I got to give like four <laughs> so that you <laughs> grab hold of it. The first one is complete. Shalom means completeness. Um, kind of a funny thing. You picture like a, a brick wall, stone wall. Um, if, you, if there was like one missing stone in that wall and you carved it perfectly and fit it into that wall, you like shalomed that brick. Isn't that cool? It's a verb. I don't know if I'm allowed to make it a verb, but it's a verb now. Uh, you shalom the brick. 
into the wall, into this complete perfect wall. And the act of making it such as is shaloming it. <laughs> oh, my Hebrew. It's good, eh? Shaloming. Um, another good word is uh, restoration. It's about restoring something. Perfect example of this would be uh, enemies who have been at war, like at war trying to kill one another. It would be, shalom would be not just a peace treaty, not just the absence of conflict. It would be those countries trading for the mutual benefit of one another. That's how scripture would use the word shalom. Not just stop fighting, like be friends and make each other better. Another good one is connectedness. It's about connected, like relational connectedness. It starts to unpack why Jesus is so uh, passionate about shalom. Because uh, this whole goal here and the whole cross and dying for us thing is so we can be connected with the Father. So there's nothing separating us from the love of God anymore. There's no sins that all the sins that you and I have committed have been taken away so that, we can, so that we can be with our perfect loving Father. Shalom is about connectedness. Another good one would be harmony. You think about music. Shalom, music is a great example of shalom. You know it when you hear it. It's like, oh, it's, everything's working together. And the harmony is just perfect on top of that and it's all working as one. You see how we don't really have a word for that? Complete, restored, connected relationally, in harmony, right relationship. They all get close, but we'll use the word shalom today. So, a little proposition for you. Here's what I think is going on. Is peace, as we're defining it narrowly today, is about the absence of anxiety or conflict. Shalom is about relationship. Wouldn't it be interesting if our peace, our shalom, could be found inside relationships, not in the absence of them. That true peace, true peace, true shalom is more present, in fact, perhaps only experienced inside relationship. That you can't have peace without relationship. That's wildly different than what I talked about earlier, about how you're trying to you know, achieve a state of calm, being relationships are very optional in that approach. Maybe if you're an extrovert, and even then. <laughs> it, this is very, very different. You can't talk about shalom without other people. You can't talk about shalom without so much, not even other people, a, a grand mission, a broken wall that needs new bricks, a, a kingdom that, it, it's just, wow, it's rich. So, um, when you think about peace, and you think about bringing that feeling into your life, the rest that we read about earlier, how much do you think about other people in that pursuit? How much do you think about uh, harmony and connectedness and actually maybe investing deeper into chaotic moments and becoming closer with other people in that pursuit? It's different. John 14, 27 says this, so I change it to shalom for you. By the way, you don't have to cross out all your peace words in the Bible. You can just think about a fuller definition of it. <laughs> shalom. Oh, this is Jesus speaking. Shalom I leave with you. My shalom I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So this is interesting. 
shalom I leave with you, my shalom I give you. And just look at that word, my, like my shalom I give you. So again, defining shalom as connectedness and oneness and relationship. Uh, uh, Jesus is saying, the relationship that I have with my Father, I'm trying to give to you. That's what he's saying. My peace I give you. I don't give as the world gives. I'm not trying to give you some circumstantial peace. I'm trying to give you a much richer one. That's actually a lot about, it's entirely about relationship. My peace I give you. I don't give as the world gives. So, do not be troubled or anxious. Now that makes sense. When I'm in control, anxiety makes tons of sense. When I'm receiving the kind of peace and shalom that comes from relationship with my creator, which, what I was, which was what I was actually designed for, all of a sudden, the feelings and reality of peace and the absence of fear is a very logical conclusion. It's funny. It's funny how Jesus would say, my peace is what helps you not be afraid. And I don't give it at the world's, I don't give it as the world gives. So just to prove this point, I don't have the scripture up there, but I put it in there last minute because I thought it was helpful just to kind of, I made a claim that Jesus is trying to help us be one with the Father, right? Uh, so here's a verse to support that. John 17, which is Jesus praying for us to the Father, says this. John 17, you can just listen. Uh, I have made you known to them. Jesus saying, I have made you, the Father, known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me, the love that God has, <laughs> that the Father has for Jesus, for his Son, in order that the love you have for me may be in them. The same love. Sounds pretty peaceful. And that I myself may be in them as the way of having that actually be a reality, that the Holy Spirit would live inside of us because we've been washed by Jesus' blood so that the love that the Father has, the triune, like, oh, uncomprehendable love, that's what he wants you to know. That sounds like shalom. That sounds like oneness and connectedness. It's something really worth pursuing. So um, I think shalom is the love of God. True, lasting peace is love, which is the most relational word we have. Love is such a sloppy word in the English language. But what would, it, what would it be like to have love be at the core of our peace? So um, example of this is uh, the house that I grew up in, don't live there anymore, it was always quite a chaotic place, <laughs> the Mitchell household. It wasn't necessarily peaceful in the, narrow de- in the narrow definition of that. There was always people coming and going. It was a ton of fun. It's still, it's still a little crazy. It's actually got a little crazier since I left. Um, and uh, I, th- I think it's really funny. There's always been this open door policy at our house. Uh, helpful tip, if you ever come over, if you knock, it's extremely offensive. <laughs> it's just like, who is knocking? Who doesn't know that the door's open? It must be your first time. <laughs> You're more than welcome to come if you've never been to my parents' house. I don't know. I'm inviting people over to your house, by the way. But uh, 
If you knock, it's like, who's that? Who, who's that? That must be someone we don't know. <laughs> and it's annoying because you've got to get up from where you're seated and go open the door. It's just it's frustrating. Um, but it's a, it's a chaotic place that's full of drama and life, and it's not necessarily peaceful all the time, I'll tell you that much. But it's an extremely loving place. Extremely loving. And I feel rest in that home that I can't describe to you. And it might not be peaceful, but it is loving. It's very loving. And so now all of a sudden, my, 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 you see how this starts to shape our criteria for how we find rest and completeness and wholeness and harmony. And it's not so much about escape anymore. It's about love. So to kind of prove that, I suppose, John 16, and says this. Uh, it's Jesus speaking again. I have said these things to you that in me you may have shalom or peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. That's interesting. In me you will have shalom. In this world, you'll have tribulation, but take heart, because I've overcome that. And I don't know if we view the circumstances in our life that's something that's been overcome, completely overcome, eradicated, inconsequential, dead, dust, gone. So, um, great news. Shalom transcends the world. Right. It transcends tribulation. It transcends the thing that are seemingly robbing you of rest. And instead, Jesus says, come all you who are weary and heavy laden, and you will find rest in my love for you. And I think that's the gospel, hey? I, I really hope we're not preaching a gospel of anxiety mitigation or, 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 or stress-free lives or tribulation, God forbid, a tribulation-free life. So it's kind of, where does this leave us? You see how much trust this, this takes of God? It takes a lot of trust in him that he really has overcome the world, that we would find our innermost peace in a oneness and a closeness with him, that that would be our primary pursuit and our default, our default pursuit would be his heart and what he's saying in a situation. And so uh, what's cool about that is that trust not only is um, a great solution in a moment for what's going on, uh, like, oh man, I don't get this. I don't get this tribulation. I feel super anxious. This is chaotic. I don't understand. Trusting God in that moment for what he says or where he's going or what he would want to teach you through that, super helpful in the moment. But what's even more beautiful is that we're building our entire lives in our trust relationship with God. And when you build your life on an entirely trust-based relationship with God, you end up getting him in the end, which I think is the whole point. And so I... I don't know if I pray that tribulations would go away in my life anymore. I don't know. I mean, it's not wrong to do. <laughs> God, it'd be great if I didn't have to deal with this. <laughs> I guess that's a fine prayer to pray. It's okay to pray against things that are bringing pain. I'm not saying don't pray against those things. But if their removal is a necessary uh, prerequisite to my love relationship with my father, that's a problem. That's a problem. And I don't think we're free 
and I don't think we're preaching the gospel anymore. It's tension-filled, obviously. So coming back, to my, uh, coming back to my example of the big C church, you know, my world that feels rather chaotic and way too big and overwhelming and <laughs> anxiety-inducing of trying to be part of helping, is uh, I've reduced, uh, I said this at the, at the campus retreat that we had um, at the beginning of the year. So I was like, I've reduced my job to one thing in that whole messy world. My job this just sounds so cliche, I know, but it means the world to me, is I just trust God. <laughs> I just trust him. And, you, and I, I've been using the term plant my feet. I plant my feet in the fact that he is building one church. And he does want to see us love each other. And that is the plan, John 17 goes on to say. And I'm like, no, I believe that. That is true. That is true that shalom is about connectedness, and I think the church needs to display that. And I stand there so confused about how that's ever going to happen. <laughs> but I know that it can and will. And I think God's just looking for a leader or two that believe that. And I find myself planting my feet in a few things. And then you look around and somebody else goes, oh, maybe I'll plant my feet in that too. Maybe I'll believe that. And then someone else does. And then somebody else does. And planting your feet in a trust, love relationship with God Shalom just starts to happen around you. It's so cool because you're restoring people to a trust relationship with God that you're exhibiting first. It's actually quite simple. And it, yeah, yeah, it does require the relinquishing of sometimes understanding exactly how that works. It does. But I want peace and I want love. I want shalom. I don't necessarily want understanding, although it's nice when it comes. I don't necessarily want calm, although I like it when it's there. I've got a bigger, bigger goal, way bigger goal for the connectedness and harmony and completeness and restoration of the world around me. Now I have one job. Now I have one job, to trust him. So I would ask you this morning, 10 seconds left. Do you want peace or do you want shalom? Do you want peace as we've defined it this morning or do you want shalom? And if you want shalom, I would invite you into relationship and into love and into the mess that that is because the love of God is just so much better than a stress-free life. It's just so much better because that's what we were designed to have. I'm going to invite the worship team up and uh, I'd like to pray for us. Um, perhaps, perhaps there's those of you in this room who need a fresh dose, dare I say, of, of God's peace I'd like to say that in this way. Would you like a fresh dose and revelation of the love of God for you? Of the lengths that he went to connect you to himself? That sounds like shalom to me.